I want to go today to Luke chapter 4. It's a familiar story. Jesus is fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And then Satan comes to him. And I want you to kind of focus in on the fifth verse of Luke chapter 4. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Notice this phrase, the rest of that sentence. In a moment of time. In a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. I got it through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And I can give it, listen to what Satan says, I can give it to whoever I wish. Not everything that comes to you in form of beautiful stuff is from the Lord. The devil has the power to give his kingdom to people. Don't play with the devil. Don't play with the occult. Don't play with any of that stuff. And notice what it says. I will give you their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, get thee, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I want to talk about that verse and I want to talk about specifically the power of, the power of one moment. In a moment of time, Satan offered everything he had to Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness. The first point I want to make is it doesn't take the devil long to show you all that he has to offer you. It didn't take him a chapter. It didn't take him a book. It took him one moment to show everything he could offer. And that's because all the devil's got is the same old, same old. What he offered them, the lust of the, what he came against Jesus with in the, in the wilderness, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is still his bag of tricks. It's very repetitive. And he offers you the best first. And then it goes down. He offers you the penthouse first. And he never shows you the pig pen until later. He offers you the beautiful, beautiful Delilah. But he never shows you the chains and the eyes plucked out, grinding in the meal. This is how the enemy does. He he can show you what he can offer you in a moment, and then it goes down from there. But... I've been serving the Lord for many years, and I can truly say that the longer that I serve him, the more I'm amazed because he keeps the best for last. Just when you think you've seen all God can do and all that God is, just when you find him as Savior and you think this is the most amazing thing, then you discover he's not just Savior, he's healer. And then you don't just discover he's not just savior and healer, but you discover he's provider, he's burden bearer, he's comforter, he's whatever we need to get us through to victory and to his will. He is a good God. 
and he keeps getting better. He keeps getting better. Satan offered Jesus everything he controlled and he could offer if he would just bow down and worship him. What he was saying was, I can help you avoid the cross. I can give you all of this. You want to conquer the world? I can give you this. Avoid the cross. Avoid the sacrifice. Avoid the pain. Avoid the dying. In other words, here's Satan's tactic. He always offers more for less. He always offers more for less commitment. More for less sacrifice. More for less consecration. You can have it. Go through me and I offer you more for less. But he never fulfills his side of that contract. If you take in that moment, in one moment, Jesus was offered it all. And he knew this is a moment that can change history. Jesus said, no, I will not take the shortcut. I will not do it, but I will take all your possessions. I'm going to carry the cross. I'm going to go through the pain. I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to go through the agony. And I will possess everything that you just offered me, but I'm not taking the shortcut. I'm going to let God do it. Everything, and this is the point now, everything that God had done for 4,000 years in the old covenant leading up to this moment, the temptation came down to this moment. All of it came down to one moment where if Jesus said yes to the temptation of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, the direction of the enemy for his life, all of the Old Testament would have been in vain. The calling of Abraham, the calling of Moses, the Ten Commandments, all of the Bible heroes of the Old Covenant it was all dependent upon, this is amazing to me, one little moment of time. Jesus was tempted with a shortcut and it came down to the decision that he made. Everything hinged on this moment. Had Jesus yielded, had Jesus yielded in that moment of temptation, it would have changed the course of all mankind for all eternity. A moment is the smallest increment of time. Just a moment. And in that moment, in that point of time, there are moments that can affect you for years. Moments affect your years. There are moments that dictate your future. There are moments that will determine your destiny. There are moments that determine the years. The devil says, listen, the devil says, give me this moment of your life. Take the shortcut. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to all the, the, the planning in your family, all that you've been raised in. All. Don't listen to that. I'm offering you something this moment that looks so, feels so good. Take it. And the devil says, give me your moment. 
and I'll give you your next years. If you give him that moment, he'll give you your years. On the other hand, God says, give me this moment and I'll give you your years. I don't know about you. I know what years I want. I don't want the devil's years coming down the road. I don't want it. I want the years that God can give me. I want the future that God can give me. I want the life that God can give me. I do not want the years that Satan can give me. Jesus had a moment in time where he had to make a decision and it affected the years following. Samson had that moment. For 20 years, he lived under the Nazarite vow, and then the Bible said he became a judge in Israel. And then he's, the Bible's very clear that he judged Israel for 20 years. So that's a com combination of 40 years. For 40 years, he was a mighty leader in Israel. For 40 years, he was a beacon of light to everyone who looked at him. For 40 years, he kept the Nazarite vow. It was a threefold vow that he made to God, and he said, I have kept the vow. He told Delilah, I have kept the vow from my mother's womb. What was the Nazarite vow? No alcohol will touch my lips. No razor will touch my hair, and I will not touch any dead thing. That's, this was what Nazarites, Jesus was a Nazarene, by the way. And, and, and this was the Nazarite vow that they made to God under the old covenant. That meant that if he went into a feast, if there was alcohol in there, he could not even go in the room because he couldn't be around it. That meant that if he went uh, into a field and there was a dead animal in that field, somebody had to check the field out before he could walk through. These are the kind of rigid uh, vows that they made. He couldn't touch dead things. He couldn't do that. And, and he couldn't, and he had never had his hair cut. What I'm trying to say to you is this. Samson for 40 years was a great, great, great testimony of what God could do with a man consecrated. But in one unguarded moment, it's possible for 40 years. And when I read this and thought about this this week, I couldn't help but, I couldn't help but think that maybe some of us are in the most dangerous years of our life. Because some of you have been in church all of your life. And you can mess all those 40 years up with one unguarded moment. All the years that you've served him, all the years that you've done right, all of the years that you've loved and honored God with your life, it can come down to one moment. And that one moment, if you give it to the enemy, it will hurt you for years. I feel like today that we need to understand that this man, this man in that moment when he laid his head after 40 years of doing things the way God wanted him to do it for his life. He laid his head in the lap of Delilah and she said, tell me your secret. And he said, if you cut my hair, I'll be like mere men. I'll be like other men. I don't want to be like everybody else. I think sometimes there's such a longing for our young people to, I just want to be normal. 
I wish I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I wish I didn't have a mom and a dad. I wish I didn't have a church that, 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 that you know, they're always telling me I, this and telling me that and telling me. I, I don't want, I want to be in a normal. Do you really? Do you not see that the new normal is so, the people, the, the new normal we're in is demonic. The new normal that we're in is eating people up and chewing them up and spitting them out. It's destroying, it's de killing. It is absolutely destroying people's lives. I don't want the new normal. I'll take my future and put it in the hands of Jesus. I choose in this moment to honor God. And I, when I do in a moment, he takes over the years. It doesn't matter how long you've lived for God. It doesn't matter how great you've kept the vows in the past. Don't let one unguarded moment destroy everything you've done for God. One temptation, one surrendering. I really feel an urgency about this sermon. The Lord wants to say to somebody, don't become a victim of a weak moment. Because all it takes to change your world is one weak moment. Samson's life changed. He went from a victor to a victim. He went from winning to losing. He went from a hero to a zero. And we like to leave him there. But I'm happy. I didn't come to just tell you, be careful. Because we do need to hear in this day and time, be careful. We do need to hear, be alert. Be, uh, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You need to have your guard up. You need to be at high alert. This is not playtime. This is a serious moment in human history. This is a serious moment where evil is being called good and good is being called evil. And we need to be aware of what is going on in this moment. But I'm happy that I can tell you that there was another moment in the life of Samson. And it was that moment when he was dragged in after you remember they arrested him. She cut his hair. Delilah cut his hair and they arrested him and they plucked his eyes out and he lost his power. He shook himself as other times and wished not the spirit had departed and the men overcame him that could, could never overcome him. And they threw him in a dungeon and he grinded the, in, the, in the meal. And then there came a day, the Bible said, listen, God's going to give him another moment. I'm not here to glorify what Satan can do, but I'm here to warn somebody. I'm not here just to preach. This is not a normal moment in your life. And when the enemy's taunting you and he's waving things before you and he's saying, go for it. If you'll take my moment, I'm going to fix your years to go in a direction you don't see coming right now. Hear this preacher. In that moment when they sent for him, the Philistines sent for him and brought him to Dagon's temple. And the Bible said to make sport of him or to make fun of him, to mock him for all that he had been for God. 
And in that moment, they bring him in and they're sitting around and they're laughing. It's a big entertainment party and they bring him in in chains. And the Bible said they had a little lad, a little boy leading him with a chain, like an animal chain. And they walk into the temple and they're making sport and whistling and calling him names and probably throwing things at him as he's blind. And he says to the little boy, Take me to the pillars of the temple and put my hands on the temple pillars. And the boy led him to the temple pillars and he put his hands on those two major pillars that held the temple up. And then comes these powerful words. And he prayed. He prayed. God said, I'm going to give you another moment. If you'll pray, I'm going to give you another moment. I know the enemy thinks he's won. I know he thinks he's wrote the last story. I know he thinks you messed up and you and the rest of your years, you're going to walk in shame and disgrace and pain. No, you're not. If you'll listen today, God will give you another moment. And it begins with prayer. It begins with saying, God, listen to what he prayed. He prayed. He said, God, will you please help me? He said, remember me. Remember me. I haven't always been in this condition, bound and chained and blind without vision. Will you remember me? Listen to it and strengthen me. I love these words. Just one more time. Just one more time. Just let me feel the power one more time. Let me feel freedom one more time. Give me one more touch one more time. You are in that moment this morning. If you don't get, if you understand what I'm preaching, you don't get many moments. And when you get them, you have to make it right what you made wrong. And when you feel the Lord speaking to you, when the Spirit is drawing you, that's an opportunity for you. When the Lord gives you that opportunity, if you will pray, it will turn around. Samson prayed and he called upon the name of the Lord and he pushed on those pillars. The power of God came on him one more time and the house fell and he was killed and all of his enemies were killed. But the story doesn't end there. Because if you read it in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about how that Samson's name is in God's hall of faith and God's hall of fame. See, we write somebody out of the book when they fail and they mess up. But in one moment, when he prayed and repented, God said, you're going to suffer some results of what you've done, but I'm going to not write you out. I'm going to write you in. And he put him in his hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11, right up there with the big guys like Abraham and Moses and Noah. He puts this guy who in a moment fell, but in a moment prayed and God turned it around and restored his life. We write Samson off, but God writes Samson in. The word of God didn't write him off. It wrote him in. And when you understand that, that you can pray and he can say, I'm removing you from the shame and the guilt and I'm forgiving you and cleansing you. One more time, I'm going to give you an opportunity to serve me. God wrote him into the future. He was a great man who failed. And you may be 
have done so many things right and you're so disgusted with yourself because you did something wrong. I guess what I'm trying to preach is God doesn't leave us there. I'm so thankful for his mercy. I'm so thankful for his grace. I'm so thankful that he says, here's another chance for you, another moment for you to change. God said, I'm going to write your name in the hall of fame. Someone is in a moment of time that I'm preaching to today. You're about to make decisions in a moment that you'll regret for years. If you hear what I'm preaching and you failed and you made a bad mistake, I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to tell you there's another moment that's right here for you today. This is the day of salvation. Even this moment, God's offering you another moment. Even this moment, God's saying, this is a moment to reconnect and be restored back to what you know is your love and your God and his name is Jesus. David had his moment. He walked down on the rooftop and he saw Bathsheba bathing. I mean, her name should have given him a hint. Bathsheba. Her sister's name was probably Jacuzzi. All the th a man, a man whose heart was after God. And in one moment of weakness, he took his armor off. And he walked out. And in a moment, he made a decision, called for her, sent for her, connected with her, brought her in and committed adultery with her. And when I think about what happened, because in that moment he gave to the devil, it was a two-year period. If you read Psalms 38, he describes it in detail of the pain and the sorrow that that one moment brought him. Two years of intense pain and agony. He describes what he's going through. He describes how his eyes are like a river crying all night long. His family's in shambles. His life is in shambles. His health is failing. He's going through all kinds of stuff. But then you go into 2 Samuel chapter 12 and David said to, and, and Nathan said to David, you're the man you have sinned. The sword will not depart from your house. And David said to Nathan, listen, I have sinned against the Lord. Same verse. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. How quick is that moment? You think God's mad at you? God's saying, I'm just waiting on you. I want you to know that I love you and I have a plan for you. And the moment you say, I have sinned, forgive me. In the same sentence, in the same verse, the Lord has put away. It's over. The sin is gone. And I've got life for you, not death for you. I'll take over your years and I'll make something good out of the bad. Somebody give him a praise if you're thankful. The Lord has forgiven you. Come on, praise him just another minute. The Lord can do it quick. The Lord doesn't hang stuff over our head like, like we do. I'm telling you, he can set you free in a moment. 
You say, well, you know, he still had to deal with some stuff, and I'm preaching to people in prison right now. God will forgive you for anything that puts you in that prison. And you do have to deal with some of the effects. But I'd rather have his forgiveness and deal with the issue than deal with the issue and not have his forgiveness. Because when I have his forgiveness and then I have to still deal with the issue, God will give me the grace. God will give me the favor. God will say, well, he's not in charge and the devil's not in charge. Now I'm in charge. He gave me the ability to take what the enemy meant for your evil and turn it around somehow and bless you in a way you never saw coming. If you believe that's your savior, you ought to praise him this morning. Somebody needs hope this morning. Somebody feels beat up. Somebody needs a win. Somebody feels lower than low. But God sent me to tell you, I'm not done with you. I'm not finished with you. I'm going to give you another moment. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I want to give you one more. Jacob had a moment. We often think it's when he was wrestling, but the Bible said the angel wrestled with him. It wasn't like he was wrestling with the angel. The angel was trying to get something out of him. Let me tell you something about Christianity. He was wrestling with Jacob's flesh, and Jacob wouldn't let it go. Christianity is not about you getting something from God. Christianity is about God getting something out of you. I don't know what kind of Christianity we're signing up for. It's all about what I can get out of God. But that's not real Christianity. Real Christianity is when God wrestles with you and he says, I, I, I know who I am. I just want to know, can I get out of you what I put in you and what I want to do with you? That's when you know you got the real thing. The decision that you make in that crisis. And the Bible said the angel wrestled with him, listen, and prevailed not against him. And he said to Jacob, let me go for the day is breaking. The sun is coming up. Let me go. The angel said to Jacob, let me go. I submit to you that that was Jacob's moment. He could have just had encounters with God, but never really changed. We become professionals in Christianity of coming in church and crying a little tear and having an encounter with God, but never really changing. But his moment came when he said, I am hurting. I am broken. I have wrestled all night long and I am marked for the rest of my life with what I've been through, but I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm going to change today. What you do with this moment, what you do with right now will decide future years that God is holding for you or Satan is holding for you. This moment determines your years.
It's just a moment that can determine your future. And some of you are going through so much right now. And I thought about one of the most powerful moments of Jesus. When you go through things, there comes that moment where you're so weary and so tired and so aggravated and so frustrated that you want to take the towel like the trainer does in the boxing ring. The enemy's beating your guy up. Every time he goes out in the ring, he comes back more bloody, more puffed up in the eyes and nose. And it's that moment where the phrase throw in the towel comes from when the trainer says, I can't, I can't take it anymore and I'm going to throw in the towel. Jesus was about to go face the cross. He was within hours of suffering and agony that we can't imagine. And he did something strange in the upper room at the Last Supper. The Bible said he took a towel. And that could have been a towel that he threw in to quit. I'm not going any further. I know this is going to cost me too much, so I'm just going to throw in the towel and quit. But he didn't throw in the towel and quit. But he took that towel and he folded it. He said, I'm not throwing it in and quit. I'm going in even more. And I'm serving. And some of you are facing things in your family right now. And the enemy is whispering to you, just take the towel and throw in the towel and give up. Give up on that child that's on drugs. Give up on that marriage. Give up on that family that's so broken. Maybe your mom and dad are going through a divorce and the enemy's whispering saying, just give up on your dad. Give up on your mom. And you have a choice in this moment. You can do one of two things. You can throw in the towel and quit. Quit loving, quit praying, quit believing, quit forgiving, quit, quit calling, quit serving. You can throw in the towel and quit or you can go in and serve. What will you do with this towel? What are you going through? And the enemy is saying, in this moment, you ought to just go for this. It's a, it's a quicker way. It's a shortcut. Go for this. But you know deep in your heart, that's not the will of God. You've got to decide. Are you going to throw in the towel and quit? Are you going to go in? And you know what? How many of you have had bad days? I mean, really bad days. Maybe even this week. Let me see your hand. Sometimes it comes out of nowhere. And in those days, here's what you do. You get up the next day and you may have it in your hand saying, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I just feel like, but you don't throw in the towel and quit. That's when you fold it up, put it on your arm, get it off your shoulder and put it on your arm and go in and say, I'm going to go in and I'm going to love hurting people, serve hurting people. I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to do what I, I'm going I'm to love that child. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. I'm going to wash their feet. I'm going to do whatever with love and with the grace of God. Don't give up. Go in. Don't quit. Keep serving. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love that people fail. Family fails. 
Daddies fail, mommies fail, husbands fail, brothers fail, sisters fail you, but love will never fail you, and God is love. He never throws in the towel on you. He goes in and washes your dirt off. I would have thrown in the towel on at least one of those dirty dozen named Judas. Not Jesus. He says, I'll just serve him. I'll go wash his feet. I wonder what would happen in our families if we just had old-fashioned foot washing. Just went and got a pail and some towels and washed each other's feet. Said, I forgive you. Please forgive me. I love you. I don't care. You're mine. I'm yours. We're going to make it. We're not the throwing in and quitting type. We're going to go in and serve. See the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can you get an amen? Now, really. I really feel the Lord saying in this moment, this is not a normal opportunity. This is your moment. And if you'll give God this moment, he'll give you your years. And not all those years will be wonderful, fun, beautiful. Just tiptoeing through the daisies. But he'll be faithful. He'll be good. He'll bring kingdom connections. He'll put favor. He'll put protection. He'll show you the path to life. That's what he offers you today. Give him this moment. Every teenager listening to me, don't wait. Because every time the Holy Spirit deals with you and says, give me this moment, and you say, no, thank you. He says, I'll line up some years. But if you'll give God this moment, you'll be astonished at what he'll do. Would you just stand to your feet, please, reverently? Every head bowed, every eye closed at every campus. Lord, help me this morning. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer. Blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Just want to sing it just like that one more time. Would you raise your hand as I sing it? Draw me near in this moment, nearer. Blessed Lord, to the cross 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you would say, Pastor, you're preaching to me this morning. There's no doubt, no doubt. I feel this is my moment. I feel this strong for young people. I feel this for moms. I feel this for dads. I feel this for church people. Telling you if the enemy's waving something to you and you're just kind of letting your guard down unprotected. If you're a child of God, if you are born again Christian and you're living in immorality, you're headed for a watershed or you're headed for hell. Because whom the Lord loves, he corrects. But this is the moment that can change it all. He won't write you off. He'll write you in. Pastor, pray for me. This is my moment. Throw your hand up if you know that's you. Throw it up unashamed. Throw it up and you don't, it doesn't matter what anybody else says or thinks. So many hands. At every campus, keep it high and unashamed. I'm old-fashioned. You know that. I believe in altar calls. An altar call changed my life. In one moment in an altar, God ordered my years. He knew I would be standing here in that moment doing what I'm doing. What about you in this moment if you just slip out and come down to this altar unashamed and stand for Jesus? He, he hung on a cross publicly for you. They're coming. Come on. I'm waiting on you. At every campus, the pastors are coming, but come. Come, 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 come. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, young people. Come on, mom, come on, dad, come on, grandfather. Come on, come on. There's something powerful about saying what David said. I have sinned. And in the same sentence, God said, you are forgiven. Just in a moment, he can wipe it all out. Come on, come on. Ushers, pastors, direct the people to the sides. Come, come, come. Everybody raise your hand and sing it just one more time.
Pray this prayer out loud. Everybody pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive all that Jesus bought on the cross. Forgiveness, love, mercy, grace, life, and life more abundantly. I believe in you. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. I believe you're coming back again. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. And so, Lord, I want to be ready for the rapture. I want to be ready for your coming. I won't have time to pray then because you said you're coming back in a moment. There's a moment already marked when the trumpet is going to blast. I want to be ready. Wash me. Cleanse me. Write my name in the book of life. Don't write me out. Write me in. Everybody say this. By your grace, I'm not going to throw the towel in and quit. I'm going to go in and serve you, Lord Jesus, for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, let's give God a mighty praise this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, he heard your prayer. Just like he did Samson, just like he did Jacob, just like he did David. He heard your prayer. He's marked this moment. And you are free in Jesus' name mighty name. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.